We're glad you're here this morning. If you're visiting with us, let us take a moment to welcome you, to tell you that we're happy you're here. We know there's a lot of choices you could make on a Sunday morning where to spend your time, and we're honored that you chose to share that with us. If you'll give us an opportunity, we'd like to meet you. We'd like to uh, uh, let you know what all's going on in this body that you can be a part of. A um, couple of things that are happening that, that are happening soon that you need to know about, you need to be a part of, is uh, one is our uh, marriage workshop. Stronger Marriages Workshop is, they do these things all over the country. Um, normally, you would have to pay per couple and, and to, to participate in this event. But this church wants you to be a part of it. And so we're taking care of that. So you don't have to pay. You just have to sign up. Child care will be provided. Um, that's taken care of. It's on a Saturday. Um, it will bless your marriage. It is, it is important enough that... I'm, I'm telling you, you want to be a part of this. I've, I've been pushing this to you for a couple of weeks because I want to give you first dibs on signing up. As of Friday... We had 100 people signed up. Now, I know this weekend we're opening it up, and it's going to be announced at other churches. They're announcing it at A&M. They're announcing it in Conroe. They're announcing it in the Woodlands. And so our spots are going to fill up quick. Um, I, I gave you guys first dibs. If you still want to get it in, you can go on our website, sign up, get registered, because I want us here first. So... Make plans to do that. Go do that. Um, it's hcoc.church. Um, there's a link on there. You click on that. It'll take you two minutes. It's not a big deal. Um, also, you heard Nathan talking about LTC. Um, you, if you are not, uh, if you don't know what LTC is, that's okay. You don't have to understand it. It, it is something that will bless your children. It will bless you as a parent, and, and it will bless this church. And so we're, we're really excited about this. Uh, you need to stay for this meeting. Um, I promise not five or ten minutes. We won't go long because we're hungry too. Um, so just stay here. Talk just for a couple of minutes. Get your name on a list. Um, I'll, I'll show you something real quick. If you've ever had experience with LTC, raise your hand. Look around you. You see that? You see that? These people will tell you, ask any of those people, is it worth my time? Is it worth my kids' time? Every one of them is going to tell you yes. And so you need to be a part of that. Just come hang out here, get your name on a list, get some contact information. I promise you it will be worth it. So this morning we're continuing our series we're calling Stronger. Um, we've been looking at Stronger Families, uh, Stronger Faith last week. Um, th this week I had a plan and, and it derailed um, without getting too hokey or spiritual or preachy on you, um, that I go in and I have an idea of what I'm going to do. And sometimes God says, no, that's not where you're going this week. And so we're, we're, we're changing a little bit. We're going to talk about some of the things that, well, first I want to talk about what amazes me. You know, you get to looking at Scripture, and there's lots of things that are amazing, right? I mean, when you get to reading the Bible, there's lots of things that are amazing. Like creation, for example, is amazing, isn't it? Um, when you really get to wrapping your mind around this, that there is a being who can speak a word and universes come into, be, come into existence. That's amazing. And, and you start looking at that and you start really, well, why does this being want to have anything to do with me? That's amazing. There's, there's all kind of things that when you start thinking about the majesty of God, it'll make your brain hurt. You know, that, that 
God knows everything. And God sees everything. And God is everywhere. And it, it just, it, it's, hard. it's too much. It's amazing. And, and then you start reading the stories of God's relationship with His people. And, and one of the things that I find amazing, is amazing that God didn't kill us all. I mean, really, read, read the Bible and look at the things that they did. And, and I, I would not have that patience. Read the Old Testament and see how time and time again the people turn away from God. I mean, these people worshipped a cow while the God of the universe was at the top of a mountain. The same mountain! The, the, and, and so this being that they had seen uh, turn rivers to blood, that they had seen uh, send frogs and locusts and all these plagues, that, that, that this being that they had seen blot out the sun, that they had seen kill every firstborn, they turned into a cow. And then they worshipped it. And how does he not just go, I'm tired of you people. That's amazing to me. How they chase after every single new God that comes along. If there is a new God, whether it be uh, Baal or Asherah or Dagon or Moloch or whatever, whatever new God comes along, they're chasing after Him and they're worshiping Him and they're turning their back on God. And, and, and it's amazing that He doesn't just wash His hands of the whole mess up. And then you get to the end of the Old Testament, and God leaves. He, he, he turns away. He stops interacting with His people. For, for four to five hundred years, He doesn't have anything to say. There's no new, new revelations. There's no new prophecies. There's no new scripture. And you start wondering, what caused God to leave? What was so bad? That God turned His back. You look at all the things that He endured throughout the history of Israel. All the things that He put up with. All the things that He forgave and came back. And, and what caused God to leave? Malachi answers that question. At the end of the Old Testament, right before Matthew, Malachi chapter 2. Um, Malachi begins to tell Judah that God is no longer accepting their offering. God's no longer accepting their worship. Malachi chapter 2, starting at verse 14. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not be faithless. What caused God to leave? Breaking covenant. Now it's hard for us to understand this. Because our culture, our society, is, is, we don't get it. 
And, and some of it is the Semitic language that, that's used in here. There are idioms that we don't understand. And, and you know, when he says, uh, covers his garment with violence, that's talking about physical abuse. He's talking about that, that, that the husband is, is, is being violent with his wife. That's, that's something that we don't get. But we do get the bigger picture, that breaking covenant with the wife was worse than anything else that Israel had done. Anything. These are people who sacrifice their children in fire to another God. Breaking covenant is the worst thing they've done. When you break a vow to God, that's a big deal. It's a big deal to Him. See, nobody knows for sure what Yahweh or or Jehovah, the names of God, what it really means. Nobody has a a total definition of that. But the best we can understand, looking back, is that Yahweh means covenant God. Or the God of promise. The God of the covenant. God's very nature, God's very name has to do with covenant. And covenant is vitally important to God. Walk with me through some scriptures really quick. 1 Kings 8, 56. Praise be to the Lord who has given rest to His people Israel, just as He promised. Not one word has failed of all the good promises He gave through His servant Moses. Not one word has failed. Hebrews 6, 17 and 18, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of His purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, He confirmed it with an oath. God wants to keep His promise by making a promise. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We're heirs of that promise. That promise is confirmed with an oath. Acts 2, 39. This promise is for you and for your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. God is a God of promise. And if we are to be children of God, we are to be people of promise, people of our word. Numbers 30, verse 1 and 2. This is what the Lord commands. When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word but must do everything he said. Deuteronomy 23, verse 21, If you make a vow to the Lord your God, do not be slow to pay it, for the Lord your God will certainly demand it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. Do not be slow to fulfill your vow. Whatever your lips utter is what the Scripture says. That's the literal. Now think about this. What did my lips utter at my wedding? See, one of the ways the church has failed, and church, I'm talking big church, not specifically HCOC, the big church. One of the ways we've failed is that we've turned over the definition of marriage to the world. We've let the the government decide what marriage is all about. We've given them the authority to to make uh, laws and, and to issue certificates and all this junk. That has nothing to do with God's idea of marriage. God's idea of marriage is two people making vows before Him. And, and God takes those vows very, very seriously. So think about what did your lips utter at your wedding? God says if you said it, you do it. If you said it, you do it. And to not do it is to be guilty of sin. Ezekiel 16, verse 59. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. 
I will deal with you as you deserve because you have despised my oath by breaking the covenant. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 4 through 7. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It's better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. Do not protest to the temple messenger. My vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, fear God. God says our excuses. Well, we were young. We didn't know what we were promising. That doesn't wash. God says, don't say I didn't mean it because it doesn't matter. If you said it, you've got to follow through on it. God is a God of covenant. In Joshua 9, we, we see Joshua and the Israelites. You remember this story, the story of the Gibeonites? Joshua and the Israelites have come into the land, uh, uh, the promised land, and they're, they're knocking down city after city after city. And they're wiping out people. And the Gibeonites, they're right down the street, and they can read a map. They read the map, and they realize we're next. We're next in this, in this succession. And so they create this, this, this fantasy, this, this uh, deception. And they get some animals that are worn out, and they get some clothes that are worn out, and they get some moldy bread and provisions to make it look like they've been on this long, long journey. And they show up, and they say, Hey, Israel! We're from way far away, a place you'll never, ever get to. It's so far away, you will never even see it. But we decided to come over here and tell you, if you do come across this, don't promise not to kill us, okay? And the Israelites go, well, look, I mean, look at them. They're from far off. They're so far away, we'll never see that. Sure, we won't kill you. And then what happens? They get down the road and they realize, wait, wait a minute. You lied. But God still makes them honor that covenant. God still makes them honor that oath, that promise, that vow. Some hundred years later, David is going to come into contact. There are some people under David's care who kill some Gibeonites. And God makes David kill those people because he's still honoring a 100-year-old vow that was based on a lie. You see how important covenant is to God? It's a big deal. Covenant. God says, keep your vow. Now, there are two sacred vows that we'll make in life, most of us. One is marriage and one is baptism. And Paul inexorably links the church and marriage together in Ephesians. Paul says marriage and the church are reflections of one another. You want to make God happy? You keep your vows. Psalm 116 says, How can I repay God? By keeping my vow. I will fulfill my vow to the Lord. That's how you make God happy. But we have sinful nature. What keeps us from keeping our vows? Rebellion. Selfishness. Sinfulness. Let me tell you something that that you will never hear a marriage therapist tell you because I'm not a marriage therapist. But there's, there's no such thing as marital problems. There's personal problems. There's sin problems that are magnified by the close proximity of the relationship of marriage. See, I can hide from you. 
even, even up here, I can hide from you. I mean, you may think a lot of me. Play along, pretend. You, you may think a lot of me because whenever you see me, what am I doing? I'm, I'm talking about God. I'm reading the Bible. I'm talking about Jesus. That Jeff must be a holy man. But you know what? I can't hide from Hillary or my girls because they see the real deal. They see what goes on. They see me when I fail. They see the real stuff. And, and so you know why marriage is, is that there are no such thing as marital problems. There are sin problems because my sin problems manifest themselves in the close proximity of my marriage. When we're not totally redeemed, when we're not totally converted, when, when I haven't totally repented, when I'm still holding back pieces and I'm not giving them to God, those pieces will fester and they'll kill a marriage. Now, Paul gives us a model in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, we really see him start talking about marriage. That's what we were relating to earlier about marriage in the church. Ephesians 5.21, he's going to say that you submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. But that's still not even far enough back. To get that full Ephesians model, you've got to go back even further into chapter 4 to get the whole of his thought. Go back chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4 to verse 17. And Paul says, don't live like Gentiles any longer. Stop living like the world. Some of the latest Barna research shows that the divorce rate among Christians is just as bad or worse than the rest of the world. When we don't honor our vows, when we treat marriage like the rest of the world treats it, Paul's saying, look, stop living like the world. Stop living like the Gentiles. Stop living in futile thinking. What does that mean? What does it mean to live in futile thinking? Well, Paul says, first of all, that your hearts are hard. That's what he's saying to us. That futile thinking involves hard hearts. Now, isn't that interesting? Because what did Jesus say? When Jesus is asked about why Moses allowed them to divorce, what does Jesus say? Moses allowed you to divorce because your hearts were hard. See, Moses knew that God didn't want us to be trapped in a place that as men had hard hearts, there had to be a way out of that. It says they've lost sensitivity. Lost sensitivity. I need to be in tune with where my heart is, but I need to be in tune with where her heart is. If I'm not sensitive, if I'm not open, if I'm not thinking about her, if I've lost my sensitivity, that's part of that futile thinking. I have to be more sensitive to my partner's needs than to my own. Paul says that loss of sensitivity is what leads to sensuality and impurity. Think about that. Our, our research today will tell you, gentlemen, that pornography desensitizes you. I know, we're not supposed to talk about this in church. Forgive me. But we have, when, when we were growing up, my generation, you know, sometimes 
you'd have a guy bring a playboy to, to, to the locker room and we'd all huddle around. Now there's worse things than you and I can imagine available on phones. And in a room this size, there are people who are struggling with that this morning. And it's desensitizing you. Paul says part of futile thinking is hardened hearts and lost sensitivity. That's why we treat people better when we're dating them than when we marry them. You notice that? We do. So what's the answer? What is the answer? Paul says be converted. Verse 20 of chapter 4. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in Him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on your new self, to be created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul says the answer is to be converted. Put that old you away. Let it go. Get rid of it. That's how we keep the covenant, not just of marriage, but of baptism. I, if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, I've got to truly be converted. I can't hold back bits and pieces. I can't say, God, I'm giving you everything except my marriage. God, I'm giving you everything except my work. God, I'm giving you everything except my private life. Whatever it is that I'm holding on to, I've got to be totally converted. If, if the old you was running around chasing girls... And, and, and having girlfriends everywhere, then you got to put that away. If the old you was running home to mama every time you disagreed, you got to put that away. See, my wants, my needs, my desires, my greed, that stuff has to die. I have to be converted. I have to be made new. Therefore, verse 25 each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they have something to share with those in need. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. The new you is truthful. The new you is not given to honor, uh, uh, to anger. The new you is honest. And the new you speaks things that are appropriate for building up, not for tearing down. Now, hey, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not throwing down on you. See, this, this kicked my tail all week. And even this morning, I, I, on the way to church, I, I made a couple of comments to, to my kids that weren't building up. It wasn't enriching them. It was tearing down. And, and I've got to put that away. I've got to kill that old self. That old self has got to go, but he keeps coming back. And, and you know what? I've got to keep baptizing him. I've got to keep dunking him. I've got to hold him down until I can't see the bubbles anymore. Because i got to let him go. Because as long as I keep bringing him back, he's going to keep tearing things up. Verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate 
to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Fellas, when we come home and we go all Fred Flintstone on our wife and our kids, we're grieving the Holy Spirit. We're grieving the Spirit of God. Ladies, when you're on Him and you're tearing Him down and everything you say is just, is just ripping Him up, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Paul says, follow God's example. Chapter 5, verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering. Gave Himself up. See, that's what we have to do. That's how we keep our covenant, is I, I give up me. I give myself up, just like Christ gave himself up. Paul's going to go on later and say, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. That means I don't talk about what Jeff needs. I don't worry about what Jeff needs. I'm not living based on what Jeff needs. I'm building up my partner that's what I'm supposed to be about giving up myself follow God's example that means I have to put away everything that is keeping me from keeping my vow whatever that is if that's friends if that's family if that's work if that's church yes I've seen marriages destroyed because of church And we go, well, Jeff, that's, you don't understand. That's just not me. But that's the point. That you's got to die. That me has got to die. There's got to be a new you. That's the point. If we're still holding on, if there's still those unconverted bits that we're holding back from God, we've got to repent. We've got to give that up to Him. God is a God of covenant who says your covenant vows are infinitely important. Now hear this. Your relationship with God is intimately tied to your relationship with your spouse. You hear that? Your relationship with God is directly tied to your relationship with your spouse. That's how important God says our vows are. And we're not going to do the traditional altar call right now because I don't think there's one of us in this room who shouldn't come forward and repent right now. Maybe there's some of you out there holier than God bless you. We'll have you pray for the rest of us. But there are a lot of us who are still struggling this morning. I'm one of them. I think we need to ask God collectively for forgiveness. We need to ask God collectively to help us to honor our vows. We need to ask God collectively to put aside the old me. That's what we're going to do. We're going to pray together right now, and then we're going to open it up and, and ask people to come forward who, who need other prayers for whatever, because that's what we're about. So right now, though, as a body, as a body of believers, we're going to go to God specifically for the purpose of repenting, and asking God to help us with our vows. All right? Will you join me in that prayer? Our Father in heaven, Lord, we come before you. We're 
broken, helpless, weak. Lord, we confess to you that we can't do this. We can't be holy apart from you. We can't be righteous apart from you. Lord, we want to be more like you. We want to be people of covenant. We want to be people who honor our vows. We want to be people who are, are, are people who are people of promise, just like you're a God of promise. But we can't do that apart from you. We need you. We need your strength. We need your guidance. We need your indwelling spirit to give life to our bodies. Forgive us, Father. Strengthen us. Bless us. We come to you together asking you to bless our marriages, our lives, our relationships, Lord. Make us stronger people of covenant. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, there are a lot of us who have things going on, whether that's unconverted bits that you need to, to bring to God, whether that's struggles physically, emotionally, whatever. We believe in prayer. We're people of prayer. We're not holy. We're not righteous. We don't have it all figured out. But we have an avenue to go to God. That's where strength comes from. That's where righteousness comes from. Not from sitting in a church building. Let us help you go there. That's what this time's for. We're going to sing a song. If we can pray with you, if we can lift you up, if we can help you in any way, that's what we want to be about. But hear me, this is not just limited to this song. This is not just limited to this time. We will pray with you anytime. There are people here who will pray for you, with you, anytime. Just let us know. That's what we want to be about. If we can help you right now, won't you come? While together we stand and sing. To the river.